Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello, everyone. Today, we're doing the 1984 low-budget creature feature, Chud. Chud. Yes. Now, Chud is a anagram? Yeah, uh, a- acronym, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, anagram, uh, acronym, Auntie M, uh, Passamaquoddy. Yeah. Acronym, yes, acronym I, I... for... Well, cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. But we will find out later that's not really what it means. Correct. Um, But it works. Yes. Now, this is, like we said, it's a low-budget creature feature. It stars uh, John Hurd, Daniel Stern, and Christopher Curry. And... I remember this is a movie that I've actually kind of has grown more on me each time I see it. Because when I was a kid, I think I was just, there's, let's face it, there's not a lot of creature in most of this movie. No. And in fact, I I would say that I have grown the opposite direction as you, like each time I watch it, I I see bits and pieces of it as to why, like, okay, this is why I liked this movie and why, I guess why I still like it. But it, um... I don't know if sour is the right word, but I, I, I guess I lose, I guess I, I lose a little bit more of the enthusiasm for it. It's, it's hard to explain, uh, but I guess maybe I'm, I find more, I find it harder to, um, to go along with it or, well, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but I guess, I guess I've appreciated it slightly less each time I've watched it. Although I do, I, it, it eventually comes back to, um, it eventually comes all the way back around to like liking it again, but it, it's not something I'm going to probably watch in heavy rotation for sure well i mean it's it's plays out somewhat like jaws and in in some ways it is a lot like jaws in in the city where you don't really see the creature or creatures for for the majority of this movie right you know you just hear about people being attacked and you kind of see like the manhole cover opens and you see the point of view shots and then you see the people looking in terror and then they're killed right well um you know the trailer the trailer makes it seem like it's going to be a bit more of a a a monster fest and the trailer is really good um there is a goal although you don't see much which you, you don't see much of the attacks it's not a terribly gory movie and i'm okay with that like that that's not the obviously not the part that bothers me but there's an attack like immediately um i think technically before the credits or maybe just after there's, a, there's an attack like immediately off, it's that's off with a really extremely well shot sequence it is it looks fantastic it's mm-hmm. this grimy gritty back alley street of new york and a woman is walking her dog and and she comes up on the manhole and the man cover cover opens up and you kind of see these creatures' hands, but she's dragged down to her doom, and right. you just hear screaming and cuts to the credits. Right, really, really cool effect, really cool scene. Uh, and and you mentioned, you know, you mentioned how it looked, and that's that's certainly one of the things that I've remained um, in liking about this movie is it's got a very nice aesthetic quality to it, a very grimy one, but it works. Um, I like the cinematography in this a lot. Uh, and, and the actors, especially the acting, rather, of the, especially of the three leads. Um, but so after that happens, it's a good 30 plus minutes, maybe 40, um, before anything kind of chud related truly happens again. There's a lot of like investigation and talking and, and like semi, um, uh, you know, discussion on like uh, the, the, the underground dwellers, the, the homeless who live underground. And, um, stuff like that but it's like yeah it's it's a very it's a really slow burn like it's not it's not as much of a monster movie as you would think um which is part of what disappoints me and part of what i realize each time i watch it where it's just like man this this could have been more it really could have been i'm assuming budget um was part of the problem but it's just like i think this could have been a lot more fun if it was allowed to be a bit more of a monster movie to be a at least a little bit more quickly paced, or at least, you know, if you're going to take 30 minutes or more to get, um, to, to get like going to the, to the chud and, and, and all of that, like give me, give me a bit more of it after, uh, which is not to say, I think it's a bad movie. Cause I don't, it's just, I, I watch it and I realize, or at least for me anyway, I, I realize that it's missing. Like it could just be a bit more. There's this, this, this should be more. It, it could be one, um, or the other, like you, you think it's going to be a bit 
Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead, you know, because to me it feels like it's it feels closer to a zombie movie um, um, or, you know, like an alien stalker movie or something like that. And like in my head, that's what I want to see. And that's my fault, really, not necessarily the film's fault, but that's kind of what I'm missing each time I watch it, where it's just like, man, this is really slow. It takes a real long time to get anywhere. Well, this is mo- this movie is an oddity in that it was made in the early 80s, 1984. Looks like it, it was made in 78. It's not a slasher movie. Right. The lead characters are not teenagers. No. But it's a character and story driven, which isn't what you can say about a lot of horror movies, especially at that time. Absolutely. This this movie is is a lot. In, in other words, you could compare it almost to Alien, in where right. not a whole lot happens during the opening of Alien. But this is about the characters and and the the story that that's told through them. It just almost it could almost have been a detective thriller. It just right. turns out that what they're investigating happens to be monsters, right? Or like one of those, um, you know, one of those like especially you know in the nineties, like one of those like it's kind of a you know like a detective mystery, but you find out it's a vampire. That's know? why, <laughs> or a werewolf or something. That's why the movie has grown on me over the years is because it's extremely well acted. And oh yeah, the, yeah no, it is extremely well acted. Uh, everybody, everybody is fantastic in it, and uh, the three leads, uh, especially like Christopher Curry, is fantastic as as Detective Bosch. He's he's sympathetic. Um, uh, Daniel Stern, uh, absolutely. Like you know, yeah, it's it's an extremely well acted movie, and the story itself is is excellent. Like I don't really have a problem with the story or anything. I just I I. I, I I, every time I watch the movie, and I don't know why, but every time I watch, well, I guess it's because of movies that I already mentioned, but every time I watch the movie, I'm always expecting somehow a quicker pace because it's it's not a movie I watch frequently. I think the last time I saw this was probably 15 years ago. Well, this play, this was one of those staples on HBO in the middle. Sure. Well, it was on all the time. But yeah, it's 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 really the and the dialogue between the actors seems natural especially several points in the in the film it really seems like you know it's almost a bit ad-libbed yes because it's so natural the way sometimes they're speaking to each other and and the gritty grimy um version of at least this section and this is 84 uh, of new york like comes off really well in film like the cinematography the set direction all of that uh, is really excellent. And when I said before, like, it seems like it was made in 78, I kind of mean that in a good way. Um, like it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's got still got that like celluloid kind of like you, you, you won't see a movie like this anymore. Not unless you make it in, in like film, like it's like things look a little bit too clean, even when it's supposed to be dirty. Like this looks real dirty. Like this, this looks like they might've got diseases and stuff uh, off the side of the set. Like they were, you know, they constantly had to have alcohol and stuff. It's, it's really, really, really grimy. And I mean that, I mean that in the best way for what they were trying to do. No, it looks it uh, and it helps the authenticity of the Absolutely. movie. Absolutely, it's a it very right. It's a very authentic real. looking movie. Yeah. So our main characters, our first main characters are, are um, well, actually no, because I was about to say our first main characters were, were Daniel Stern and um. Uh, Christopher Curry, but really our first main characters, John Hurd as sure. George Cooper and Kim Greased as his his girlfriend wife. I think they were married. No, they weren't married. Or at least I didn't th- I don't think they were married yet, or at least that's not the impression I had, but it's a good point. They could have been. So anyways, they're there he's a photographer and she's a fashion model and he had recently done a pictorial about homeless people in New York City. And uh, oh, should, we should point out that w- what we watched isn't the cut we watched when we were kids. Correct. The Correct. Current, it's not what was on HBO? Yeah. Uh, what was on, currently available on Amazon Prime and what we each have on DVD is basically a director's cut, which is only changed in a few details. One of the biggest details is at one point it's it's revealed that. The girlfriend is pregnant. I guess that wasn't in the original cut, but I don't remember that. 
but also the pl- placement of a particular scene in the movie. I don't see. I don't remember that either. But I think the movie would have been better served to cut that because because that's that's part of the problem I had with sort of the tonality in the movie. It's like I get the I get the stuff where they're talking about you know uh, with with Shepard like later on with Daniel Stern's character and and Bosch going you know where uh, Shepard's all um, rightfully you know concerned and at least quizzical as to like why you suddenly care about these people you never really cared about before you know um but like the side plot or like the side thing that that scene with the kid it's like i get if you're trying to like add something outside but it, it has absolutely no bearing on the movie whatsoever but really. again that that's kind of what helps with the it's really it's almost like i said it's almost a docudrama about these these people where monsters show up and start attacking I mean, I guess that's—I guess that's a way to look at it. I'm not necessarily sure. I, I, I guess I don't disagree that that's certainly what it seems like. It's just—I don't know. I wanted a monster movie. It's just not—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not that it's not a monster movie. It's just and not enough of a monster movie that I would really have hoped for. But no. what they do, what what we do get is still good. Like I said, it's still—it's still memorable. It's still good. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about it otherwise. I wouldn't own the DVD otherwise. I just every when I watch it now, like I remember why. Like okay, this is why I don't really. It's it's not like a brisk kind of um, it's not like a brisk kind of movie that you can pop in like a Dawn of the Dead or something might be. Well, you when know. you think about it, the, the John Hurd's character and his girlfriend are so peripherally involved in the events until the end, you almost wonder why they were there at all. That's a good point. You're right. Because if, if the movie is only Daniel Stern and um, Christopher Curry, you really don't lose. No offense to John Hurd, uh, rest in peace, and he's an excellent actor and he's really good in this. You make a good point. Like, did they even need to be in the film? What's funny is our three leads is you got uh, John Hurd and Daniel Stern, who were both in Home Alone 1 and 2. Yes. And Christopher Curry was in Home Alone 3. Oh, I didn't know that. Now, so like was that the, he's Cooper kind of John Hurd as Cooper the photographer kind of gets involved because one of the homeless people who was one of the subjects of his film of, of his his film study calls to him because she was arrested for trying to steal a police officer's gun, which they call petty theft, which is rather kind, I guess, in New York. Well, it was a cheap gun, I guess. Yeah, I just like petty theft. Like, damn. The did you recognize that particular police officer played by uh, Dan I, McMurray? Yes, I mean, I, I, I know. I, I, I meant to look it up because I definitely know the face. Like, yes, I recognize him, um, but I, I forgot to, I forgot to look up exactly the name. Although most, you just said it, most people will recognize him as Chandler's boss from a couple of episodes of Friends. And as uh, Doug's boss from the from uh, the Kevin James show, King right. of Queens. Right. That's that's where I know him. Yeah, that's that's how I know him. So he she calls him because she's she's arrested and she's allowed the phone call. And the only person she really knows that isn't another homeless person is him, or who has a phone, probably. Yeah. And so she calls him up, and he comes to get her bailed out of jail, and. She asks him for help and a gun, and he's like, well, what do you need a gun for? And her brother, who is one of the the homeless people that lives in the sewers, wants a gun. Because, well, there's something bad happening down in the sewers, and homeless people are going missing. Right. So that's kind of how he gets peripherally involved. Now we get Christopher Curry as Captain Bosch, who's investigating missing people around the same area. And he's getting pressure from his boss to lay off the case. And he can't quite understand why. And we won't find out until a little later ourselves that his wife is the person we saw get attacked at the beginning and is among the missing. Right. So now now he's truly conflicted because he's been I don't know if he's been actively covering up, but maybe not being you know the most forthcoming about these different missing persons reports and, and weird goings ons that he's been asked to mostly ignore, um, not, which is our not, first inkling that, you know, something bigger is happening. They're not so much covering up as they're trying to keep it quiet, trying to keep it quiet. Right. Yeah. So he gets he goes to this. There's, there's one of the other cops. 
in this um um geez, what's your name? Sanderson. Officer Sanderson, the female cop who has quite the attitude. Yes. Sure, Captain has, no less. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's almost she's annoyed by everything he has, but he asks her to, you know, get get some information about any of the missing people, and that leads him to Daniel Stern's character, who was a, a criminal he had busted a few years ago, but now he's running a soup kitchen for the homeless. Right. So he goes down there to talk to him, and he's like asking what's going on, and Daniel Stern explains that some of the people, his regulars that come to his soup kitchen every night, have gone missing. But all the ones that have gone missing are all the ones that live underground right. in the sewers or the subways. Right. None of the street ones are missing. And Bosch goes to interview one of the soup kitchen customers who also is an undergrounder named Val. But let's just say Val isn't a whole lot of help. No, Val. Val clearly has should you know should be getting help in a sanitarium somewhere. But um, yeah. Um, that seemed to be a well acted part. Um, yes. I forgot the actor's name, but he does a he does a good job. And I mean, we see him again later, but he does a he, he does a good job with his brief time of trying to play obviously a, a, a mentally unstable um, homeless man, but not at least in my opinion. And and call me what you will, I guess, but I I don't think he's playing it like too far out there. Um. I think it's a sincere performance of trying to convey the type of, I'm going to guess, schizophrenia, maybe, that he was dealing with. Um, which, of course, you know, that's 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 a common movie trope where, like, the one guy who could, or one person who could explain anything also seems, you know, again, uh, they, they, they obviously have mental issues and it's just like, well, we can't trust them or, you know, they're no good because of whatever. Um, yeah. But his, his brief played- little speech is, is very intense. Um, and it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really good. He's, he, he does a, he does a great job with this little part. It's mostly, pl- it's mostly cribbed from the book of revelations. Right. And Val is played by Graham Beckel, who is my Whit Bissell award winner for his performance. In the yeah, show. no, definitely. Uh, I, I agree. Again, he, he, he does, he, he nails his very small role. Um, he, he, he does it, he does it through and through. And uh, yeah, you're right. He's quoting the Bible. Like he's, it's again, it's it's not it's a trope, right? The character is very much a trope, but he does a damn good job with it. But it's and it's not done in any type. Nothing here is. I don't done think it's mocking. done in an insulting way. No, it's no, to it's, me. I don't think it's, it's done in an insulting or even like um like like mean spirited way. It's just like and here's the trope. Um, no, you know? <laughs> the, everybody is portrayed in a sympathetic light. All yeah. the uh, all all the homeless characters, all the you know, right. it's it's you know, the ones that aren't sympathetic are the bureaucrats. Right, right. Or, or again, or, or like, you know, his uh, John Hurd's um, editor or whoever Derek was, um, who, who, who you well, know, the refers guy... to them as like, was it subterranean bums or whatever? But again, that's that's more of like, OK, yeah, I guess he's a classist or whatever and, and, and doesn't care. But as far as the movie is concerned, like it, it treats the, it treats everybody with a with a with, with a respect, with a dignity. But also, you know, again, has realistic dialogue, we'll say. Yeah, so Bosch and uh, Christopher Gurry as as Detective Bosch and Daniel Stern as, as he's called, Reverend Shepard. Yeah, I assume the Shepard part is, yeah. Begin investigating and they go into the sewer and they find some interesting stuff. They, They find out that the normal EPA inspection that only goes on for a week has been going on for several weeks now. And then they find out it's not the EPA doing it. It's the nuclear regulatory commission that's doing it. Yeah. So they go to city hall and they're of course stonewalled, you know, they present all this evidence that they have of something's going on down in the sewers. In fact, at, during, before this, uh, um, uh, we see our second attack as a, as an old man is killed in front of his granddaughter yeah. at phone booth. And she goes, you know, when the police find this poor catatonic girl, you know, she tells them a monster killed her grandfather. So when they, they bring that up at this thing, like, have you seen this monster too? You know, there's a monster down in the sewers. And of course the bureaucrats 
who know there's a monster down in the sewer are like, oh, you're going to go to the press with that? Where's your evidence? Right, exactly. Like so far we have so far, right, the only eyewitnesses are people that guys like this could, couldn't care less about or, again, are going to just assume they're crazy, um, you know, to use 1984 logic. Uh, or, again, a little girl who's, you know, prone to flights of imagination about monsters killing her dad in front of her, I guess. Um, and that's the, like, you, you know, you went through a couple of scenes. Um, so backtracking a bit, you know, when they first when when Bosch and, and um, AJ go into the sewer and they find that, I guess, Geiger counter, I'm assuming, or uh, something that measures radiation anyway. And it almost does the uh, now this is be what, two years before aliens, but it does yeah. like it almost does like the aliens kind of like motion detector thing where it, it suddenly goes super hot, implying that something highly radioactive is right near them. Well, but then it goes low implying that whatever it was moved away to me that's one of the scenes where it's like wow you just did something super effective there that's more of what i want that's Um, straight out of the original thing from another world the geiger counter detecting the monster as it comes closer and moves farther away yeah it's a good callback it's 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 really neat um and uh like like that's that's the like it the movie can definitely be very effective in what i thought it was going to be which is part of the tease because well, it kind of like it, 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 it kind of stays at a very low tone. It's just like, oh, I find this again. I find the movie more effective. Like, and but that has the problem going in expecting your typical monster movie. You're gonna be horrifyingly disappointed. But I, exactly. I think the more you see it, the more you appreciate it. The more you you pick up on these things. That's why I have. I didn't really care much for this movie you know, 30, 40 years ago, well, not quite 40, but 30 right. plus years ago for the very complaints you're having. But every right. time I see it, I like it better for what it does do. I, I think that's the, ta- like when I see it again, I, I, I need to have a better recollection of this movie before I see it again, because somehow I just kind of forget that it is, it is this slow of a burn. Cause like, I, again, I'm not making it up, but it is easily 30 minutes or more between the very first scene and then for them finally to get back into the sewer again. So they find a debt. They get, although then again, this is the, this is directors, as you pointed out, this is the director's cut. So the theatrical cover is probably something less. While they're at the town at city hall, they get a call that some sewer workers has found the dead body of one of the chuds which the Nuclear Regulatory Commission guy claims stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dweller. Works for me. We will find later, spoiler alert, that it actually stands for Contamination Hazard Urban Disposal. And that's why this bastard's covering things up, because he's been hiding radioactive waste in the New York City sewers. Right. But that comes later. They, they decide that, oh, this monster died because the sewer workers were down there fixing a gas leak, and that's what killed the monster. It asphyxiated due to the gas. Now, while, while the, 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 they're deciding, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of the rest of these monsters by flooding that section of sewers with gas and suffocating them all. And thinking nothing of like everybody living down there that they know for a fact lives down there. Yeah. Well, again, again, unfortunately, it's homeless people, so they don't really care about them. But the mayor goes, you'll blow up half the city. No, no, no. Just the nuclear. No, just not doing the whole city. Just a small section of Soho. Well, all right. Mayor's probably thinking, ah, oh, nobody there votes for me anyway. So yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. He had to quickly check his uh he had to quickly check his gerrymandering map, yeah. So while this is going on, there's also another small time reporter who's kind of uh, has sniffed out the story that something strange is going on in the sewers. And he contacts John Hurd and he wants John Hurd to introduce him to these the sewer people that he's in because he wants the story. Right. Right, right. He's, he's, he's exactly, he's, he's going for his, um, he's going for his whatever story of the, he, he wants it. Yeah. He wants his docu his uh, pictorial or whatever to now, be- put in his magazine or paper. Before they enact the gas suffocation plan, 
the they the first the nuclear regulatory guy agrees to send a team down to inspect the sewers and make sure you know see if there are any more monsters down there. Yeah, we're gonna get a bunch of guys down in the sewer with flamethrowers fighting chuds. It's gonna be awesome. Well, that's what Bosch sends along with. He's like, oh, well, I'm gonna send a squad down there with you. And this, I mean, this scene, I have to believe. I mean, maybe it's coincidence, but it really feels like uh, James Cameron saw this scene because there is a lot of similarities to that famous scene in Aliens yep. where the Marines first go into the nest and there's people watching on monitors. Yep. And of course, the battle goes horribly wrong for the soldiers. Right. So... It, and again, but it, well, aliens uses it as a you know. Well, it's tense here too, but you can tell this was just another way of them saving money, right? Right. You know, they 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 imply a battle between flamethrower carrying SWAT officers and an army of chuds, but they don't show it. And I so wish they did. That would have been so cool. That it would have been so been, cool. It would have probably been what has sold the movie, but again, Hell yeah, I think they decided to spend their money on the acting and the script and not on the monsters and the action. And while that probably does hurt the movie, it so. is what makes it a better movie. Yeah, overall. I mean, I, I I think I see what you mean, but I don't know. I really wanted the flame oh. tours and Chud Axel. The, the lead officer of the SWAT was uh, played by Frankie Faison of, um, well, I would say mostly the Hannibal film series fame where he played, uh, he played Barney the orderly. Oh, wow. In uh, all the Hannibal movies. Oh, wow. Is that I him? mean, yeah, Frankie Faison has a, has an absolutely huge filmography. He's a, He's a well-known character actor, but he's only got, you only briefly see him in this for the brief moment he takes off the uh, the gas mask he's wearing. But if he wasn't in the credits, I wouldn't have realized it was him. Yeah, no, I think, I think that is Barney. No, oh, no, it's him. It, yeah. It's definitely him. I guess, I don't think I, I don't think I recognized him, but, um, and that would only have been about six years later, but no, you're right. Uh, that That is him. So after that goes wrong, now the Nuclear Regulatory Commission guy says, all right, obviously we're going to have to go with my suffocation plan. And while Bosch at first objects, Bosch ends up with some very tragic news as he's called to the scene of this discovery of a body. And when he gets there, he discovers it's his wife. Yeah. And... So now he's, you know, the two patrol officers with him are very obviously something like you see the, the shock on his face. And one of the officers says, oh, my God, that's his wife. Get him out of there. And they take him off to a bar to get a couple of drinks. Right. So while that's happening, um, Daniel's well, actually, uh, before that happens. Bosch goes to Daniel Stern's character to warn him about what's going to happen in that section of the city. And he offers him a ride somewhere. And Daniel says, like, no, nah, I got to stay here and get dinner ready for my people. And Bosch wisely tells him to watch the flame. He's using the car yeah, because right. they're going to be open up the gas mains. So then Bosch goes off and he unfortunately discovers his wife has been killed. And um, photographer Cooper and reporter Murphy head into the sewers to find um, the homeless woman and her brother to try to find the story that's going on there. Daniel Stern, while cooking dinner, sees that while his pilot light has gone out and knowing what's going on, he heads down into the sewer to try to save as many of the homeless people within that area as he can. Uh, Val being one of them. And as he's trying to get Val out, well, they're attacked by one of the agents helping to cover things up. And Val is killed and Daniel Stern is locked in the sewer. So he's got to find his other way out. Cooper and Murphy are attacked by a chud. Murphy is killed. 
and um, later George stumbles upon the homeless woman and her brother and her brother is turning into a chud as he's there. He's about to be killed by the two of them. Uh, the, uh, Cooper's about to be killed by the two of them when Daniel Stern, looking for his own way out of the sewers, stumbles upon them and we get the best exchange dialogue in the movie because he saves Cooper from the two homeless people and Daniel Stern kind of recognizes him like, hey, hey, are you Cooper? And Cooper's like, who are you? Oh, I run a soup kitchen uh, on this street. <laughs> Thank God they deliver. <laughs> Yeah. So unfortunately, these two guys are trapped in the sewer while um, the the nuclear regulatory commission guy has sealed them in and is starting to flood this with gas. Now, we see just prior to this too. There's and two more guest stars in cameo roles: John Goodman and Jay Thomas as two beat cops go into a diner and order a couple of cheeseburgers. And while they're there, they're attacked and killed by chuds. And this is what the big break, now it's out. Now now everybody knows about it because the story's breaking, that monsters have crashed in on this diner and killed two police officers and a waitress. Originally, when we saw this movie, that sequence, the diner attack, was at the end of the movie. It was almost, it was the stinger that implied, oh, the chuds are still out there. They didn't get them all. The movie, it works better where it is now. This isn't one of those movies that needs that little stinger. This was a movie like, and just for basically the way you said it, it needed more of a punch in the middle. Yeah. It's inserted where it's belonged. Yeah, no, it, it definitely makes more sense being where it is now. Cooper and Daniel Stern, or I should say, John Hurd and Daniel Stern happen upon the the dead bodies of the police and um, sewer workers, and they find the camera and the headset, and that's how they're able to call for rescue. Bosch goes rushing to their rescue. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission guy decides to turn murderous because he's got to cover his butt. Yeah. Because now the secret is out that it, it wasn't it was him who was hiding the nuclear waste. So he's trying to cover up as much as possible. There's also a sequence where the girlfriend, which is just, it's, and and they mentioned that this was forced upon them by one of the producers where she's chased around the apartment by a chud. Yeah. Another sequence that probably could have been better, but is not great. It's fine. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense for one chud to come up and attack the one person. <laughs> it just, but again, it was like one of those things where, well, the producer wants it. We got to do it. I mean, you had to like, yeah, I guess you had to have a girl, a, a woman in a bathtub scene. <laughs> you know, it's a horror movie. I guess you just had to chase by box. a monster. Yeah, yeah. You have to check that box. So, I think Saturday the 14th does it a little bit better with um, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Boss rescues Stern and Heard. He's unfortunately shot by the Nuclear Regulatory Commission guy, who then tries to run everybody over with the van. <laughs> yeah. Stern gets his Stern gets Bosch's gun, shoots the guy who causes him to crash, and that sets off a massive explosion from all the sewer gas. The chuds are dead. The evil nuclear regulatory commission guy is dead. Cooper and his girlfriend embrace, and oddly enough, Bosch and Shepard embrace. I mean, they're alive. I imagine they're happy to be alive. And it's a friendly embrace. And and yeah, uh, at first, Stern had thought Bosch had been killed. Right. Led to believe he he shot and killed, but. It's, you know, and then it's kind of, you know, you get your little happy but abrupt ending. Right. And and the, and the thing with Wilson, he's the, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission guy, the one who suddenly turns murderous. It's like, dude, you're in politics. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Like, you work for the government. Nothing is going to happen to you. He, sh- he should have known that. 
Well, no. But it makes for a better movie, I guess, to suddenly try to kill them and run them over with a truck. Well, no, he he would have been the fall guy. Yeah, but this would have all gotten out, and you know, while most of the people would have, yes, nothing would have happened. They need to crucify somebody. He would have been the one crucified. You know, like it was six months in jail, maybe. It was all his idea. We didn't know anything about it. Blah blah blah. But yeah, this is it's a creature feature, but it's sure very light on the creature. Right, it's a very different creature feature. Um, it's it's I guess technically horror because it's a it's a it's 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 a you know the, the, there are scarier elements and it is ultimately a creature movie, but it's not. It's yeah, it's not what you'd expect based on that. Um, and I hope I hope our description of it gave you some better idea of what you're going into if you haven't seen it yet and you're going to see it. Like it's it's definitely worth seeing. Um, and I get and I and I do enjoy it. I'm gonna and I'll watch it again. You know, in some time, but it's I, I, I think it's been too long in between that I kind of forget that this is what the movie is. I just mostly remember, you know, Chud, um, monster movie, you know, sewers. Um, but I just forgot how slow it was. I wonder, I wonder if the theatrical release ends up being paced a little bit differently with some of the stuff, with with some of the interim stuff taken out. Um, I don't know because I don't even know if there's a way to see that. But it probably is. I bet you it was a few minutes shorter and much quicker paced yeah but it, it from for me the movie works um despite the normally i would be railing against it like oh it's a creature feature but where's the creature right but it's so well acted and the story is so well told i ended up not minding it sure and when you do see the chuds which you don't they they're very effective they're these creepy glowing eyed mutants yeah, exactly, and and the, the yeah the makeup effects are good. Like one true, what one for certain thing about this movie um, versus like a lot of other movies where I might be railing against that pacing much more, is that in a lot of cases those movies are very poorly done in lots of ways. You know, maybe the acting is not great, maybe the dialogue is terrible, or the effects are bad. Like Chud does um, so many things really right. The soundtrack is really good. The cinematography is fantastic. The set design is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. The story is a compelling story. The dialogue is very good. So really, it's just that one, I don't even know if it's a nitpick. To me, it's fairly significant. But it's again, it's enough to keep the movie good and keep watching it. Whereas, you know, a, a lesser movie that kind of failed in other parts, I, I might be harping on these things a lot more because that's just what you do like i'm willing to forget like like most people maybe you realize it or maybe you don't but for movies you love in my case halloween i'm willing to forget the small mistakes for a movie that i don't like be, you know for other reasons i'm gonna like rip it apart for the very things i would just completely ignore in a movie that i did like just just to you know have more ammunition like if well, i hated halloween i'd be all over like oh it's clearly in california and look at you know stuff like that but um i don't so i don't well, and, and for me, that's the thing. everything they do do well. They do so incredibly well. Definitely. It saves the movie. Yep. You I know, will definitely and, agree and, with that. Like, it definitely keeps the movie elevated. It absolutely keeps the movie elevated. Halloween is actually a really good analog because Halloween is an extremely slow burn. Yes. You know, most of the action is, you know, oh, yes. it, it starts off. It starts off with a punch. It meanders around for a while with some yep. fantastic acting and some fantastic story uh, storytelling, and then it hits that climax where things start to happen quickly. This is pretty much the the same thing. Yep. I mean, you could you could come into this movie just after the opening and sit down and be watching it and thinking you're watching what you're going to be watching is a police procedural. Right. Right. Or even, yeah, or or even, um, you'd be into this movie a good, yeah, half hour before any inkling of that. It's oh, this is a sci-fi horror movie. Oh, totally, totally. You're right. If you exactly, yeah, you're, it's a good point. If you came into the movie like thirty seconds late, you might think it was about a serial killer stalking people in the sewers at most. You know, stalking like the homeless in the sewers or something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. But again, it's all so well done. It's it's one of those movies that I love that fits in with movies like um, the devil's express or the maniac cop movies, where it's this gritty down to earth filmmaking of ridiculous things. 
things, but everything is so realistic surrounding it. It takes place in a real world. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think that's one of the things that um, to always appreciated about the, uh, the, the Romero movies, you know, the, the, the dead movies. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of their calling card, you know, a very realistic, a very realistic set of people around some very unrealistic circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. And like I said, the dialogue, like there's the dialogue when um, John Hurd is first going into the sewer with the, the homeless lady to see her brother, you know, as they're talking, it really seems like very, very natural dialogue. Yes. Especially when it's kind of two people who don't really know each other. Yeah. You know, nothing seems stilted. Nothing seems contrived. Nothing seems like, why would anybody say that? Right. Right. Everybody plays. Everybody plays so naturally. Right. Like uh, at first, when uh, when you first see Daniel Stern because Bosch is coming in to, uh, or uh, uh, AJ rather, when you first see him because Bosch is coming in to talk to him about, you know, hey, you you'd, you'd called in like a missing persons report. Although they're never really clear on what the deal of that missing persons report is, because in the very beginning you can see AJ being all upset, and then you realize, oh yeah, that's right, he's the guy who busted five years ago, so I didn't really trust him. But also at the same time, where he's like, hey, what are you here for? Why are you bothering? It's like, but you sent in the report. Well, but that's because you know? Daniel Stern knows that nobody cares about the right. homeless. That that's that's what you start people... to understand, yeah. When homeless people go missing, the police don't investigate it because, well, you know, one of the first things. Much less a captain, as he points out, like what's a captain doing here all of a sudden? Um, You know, what's the real story? Then you realize, okay, that's why he's upset. And it kind of makes sense. Uh, You can tell that something is being covered up and he's getting. Yeah. Yeah. And why would the police exactly send a captain to investigate a guy who's complaining about you know, homeless people that haven't show, shown up at his at, at his soup kitchen for the past couple of days. Right, and that's where Bosch has to be you know, basically come clean and said, "Yeah, I'm missing someone too, his wife." And even the police, the chief who is above Bosch and is going along with the Wilson from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, even he reaches the point where it's like, "No, I got to go with Captain Bosch on this now." Right, because this has gotten out of control, right. you know. Before it was just, uh, you know, oh, we thought it was contained, and we thought it was, you know, maybe maybe a problem here. This isn't another one of those where the where they're so ridiculously corrupt in the higher offices, right? That you know, you see some of these movies where they end up being killed by the monsters because they're it's just so refusing to believe in anything until it comes crashing through their door, killing them. Exactly. And and I, like we said, the monsters are are effective during the brief points we do get to see them. You know, glowing eyes, oozing. You know, glowing green blood, and the performances, as we keep saying, are fantastic. And again, I think that's again why one of this why this movie is held up when so many others from that period of are are forgotten. I mean, this has never been really kind of hailed as a as as a seminal masterpiece, but it's it developed a cult following and it still becomes available. You know, it's it's not a I won't call it a forgotten film, but. No, but I feel like it is always I think I feel like Chud is permanently on the fringes of being forgotten. Yes. But there's always just enough people who appreciate it that it stays. it, It has that like heartbeat. Like it, there's right. always there's always a cycle there. We're just oh yeah, Chud. Perhaps the Simpsons. The Simpsons have referenced the Chuds multiple times, or Chud rather multiple times. And and that's the thing is every time somebody else discovers it, it gives that movie, it gives the movie another chance at life. And not because there's so many of these mo- movies from that period too that are discovered, ironically, and that's what keeps them because oh, Mystery Science Theater spoofed it, or. Right. You know, oh, can you believe this thing? No, this is a really solid, well-made movie. Yeah. Um, and you know, and uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, I guess, uh, I, I guess it would be technically a recommendation. I was also going to mention like us, um, which has uh, if if there's a if I remember right, there's like a 
Chud poster or VHS or something like in the beginning, which I suppose is not a, at all an accidental reference to the movie itself. Not that it's they're Chuds or anything like that, but it's you know subterranean dwellers and in its own way. Yeah, well, the, for, I mean, the forgotten, you know, uh, that sort of thing, that sort of thing. By the late eighties, too, there was obviously you know enough reason for them to decide to name a completely unrelated story Chud to Bud the Chud. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like you 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 took the hit and watched that? Um I was never going to rewatch it. I mean well, which is again and, and I honestly I say this as kind of a hypocrite, right? Um uh, to be fa- to, to be fair to my own ideology. Like I, I saw that movie so long ago uh, I, I assume it was on HBO. It probably was. And, you know, I was a fan of Chud. So I'm like, oh, cool. You know, the sequel. I didn't know anything about it. And I can't remember if I even bothered to finish watching it. And I've never even given it a second glance again. Um, now, there have been times where I trusted my instincts on that and kind of ruined myself because then I would have seen the movie like 20 years later. Being like, oh, man, I really liked this. I always had a very strong feeling that my instinct was correct on Bud the Chud. <laughs> To, to never unearth that or see it again. And I don't think I've ever read a review or even a reference for anyone who's ever referenced the movie, like even in passing since. I don't think I've ever heard a single person go, oh no, it's actually, you know. Um, so I'm sorry, so go ahead. That, that was, go ahead. You, you, it seems, to me, I, I think you, you, you did a big ask. Although I didn't ask, I, I, I wouldn't have wished this upon anyone, but you, you, you took the bullet for us, man. Well, I, it should be appreciated. People should know this that you watched but uh, Chud two, but the Chud for us, just to get a refresher of what this is. I remember seeing some of it, and maybe I watched the whole thing back in the nineties. And I remember never like because it's a comedy, and it's made to be a comedy, and it's one of those. Like, why would you make a sequel to a straightforward horror film? Why would you make a sequel and then make it a comedy? Right. It's it one makes... thing to take an action series and suddenly make it PG-13, but still ultimately action, maybe just less gory, take out the sex, take out the swear, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, the gun flashes and explosions is all you need. I, I can I can get that. I can, I can understand why RoboCop, th- you know, 3 ended up the way it did. Um, but it's a little weird to go from a, a straightforward horror monster, almost zombie kind of thing to, yeah, a comedy. That, that's really peculiar. Like at least the the Living Dead movies, um, they were a different thing entirely. Like they started well, they started that way, you know. It's clear that Return of the Living Dead and to an extent Night of the Creeps is what Chud Two was going for. Yeah, I think so. And it it's not that it's so bad. It's just that there's nothing good about it. It's really, it's really, it's a perfect, the story is basically these three teenagers, uh, they accidentally lose the cadaver that was supposed to be part of their science experiment at school. And in order to cover up from the fact and not fail the class and get expelled, they steal a body from another hospital, and unfortunately, the body they steal is the last body that was ex- being experimented on by the army using the blood of the Chuds. So, so far, it's pretty much Night of the Creeps. Yes, and here's the other thing. There are no Chuds in this movie. They're called Chuds, but they're not Chuds. The Chuds are mutants. Right, big glowing these eyes. Are just, yeah. These are just zombies. Huh. And they're the cheapest. They're, they're the cheapest looking. You know, they're, they're the makeup looks pretty good, but it's there's no. This is this movie is not gory, it's not bloody, it's not vulgar, and it's unfortunately really not even funny. This would have been perfect for an eight o'clock Halloween movie on Nickelodeon. This would have been. This movie is good for like kids who are like. 12 to 15 because it, it's it's slapstick comedy is it even good slapstick like if you could teleport yourself back you know 30 no. odd years I would mean, you have it's... even found it funny then because we found hysterical 
literally hysterical. Yeah. It's mostly, I mean, it's groan inducing, but again, it's not, it's not hacky. There's, there's a cup. It tries. It, it tries. Okay. But the, the other thing is like, why is it a comedy called Chud Chip? Yeah, it doesn't even sound remotely related except for that tack on where now that, yeah, they're experimenting most of with the, the Chud samples or whatever. Most of the movie is the three of them trying to find Bud the Chud and bring him back to the army before they get in trouble and not noticing that Chud is turning the entire town around them into zombies. Uh, okay. See, yeah. See, to me, the more straightforward, maybe the more obvious way of, of making the sequel would have been to kind of start with the same idea, which was, hey, what if the military knew about these chuds and were like, maybe we can make a weapon out of them, as one does. Um, and then you have your, you know, you, you have the payoff that you didn't quite get in the first one where now you have your, like, maybe it's military or cops or whatever against chuds. I mean, yes, you're pretty much ripping off aliens, but, you know, I'm okay with that if you do it well enough. I can still love Aliens and still like another movie that I wouldn't, not rips it off, but evokes it, I guess, but in a different vein with Chud. Okay, I can work with that. Fine, make you know, make it a zombie movie. I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, I just mean, do it right. Just do it well. Robert Vaughn of the Magnificent Seven is in it <laughs> as a, as the general who was in charge of the project. And of course, he's the gung-ho, like, we're going to use these Chuds to win the war even though we're not at war, but they're going to be the perfect soldiers. He's, what is it, Rod Steger and uh, uh, Mars it's, Attacks? It's that, it's that type of thing. Yeah. I would say the most surprising thing about Chud 2, Bud the Chud, is that one of the, the three teenage leads is played by um, Brian Robbins, who people might remember was the... Eric, the cool kid in the 1980s uh, sitcom Head of the Class yep. with Howard Hessman. Yep. And later Billy Connolly. Oh, was he in? Was he still in the show with Billy Connolly when Billy yes. Connolly was in? When, okay. when, when Billy Connolly, he was still in the show. Okay. The most surprising thing you might, people might know about Brian Blevins, I'm sorry, uh, Brian Robbins is now, he is now president and CEO of Paramount. That's pretty cool. And Nickelodeon. So Bud the Chud 2 stars the current president of Paramount Nickelodeon. That's that's kind of cool, though. <laughs> that, is a, that is a fascinating story. And, that, and that's I a should, fascinating little um, fact. Yeah. The reason I watch Bud the Chud is because I just happen to have it on DVD. It's in one of those. I have it in an eight-movie horror pack where I own it because there's Chopping Mall in Class of 1999. Okay. Oh, and Waxwork. Oh, okay. The other five movies I didn't even pay attention to, but as I was just going through the DVDs, because I was letting you borrow some, I was like, oh, let me me give Todd Class of 1999. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Chud 2 was on this. Well, maybe I got to watch that that first because I, I fully intended to mention it during this recording but only in passing because I sure. haven't seen it in over 30 years and didn't really remember much about it. I'll tell you this though too as I was watching the whole thing I wasn't waiting for it to be over while I wasn't really enjoying it like it's, it's not an excruciatingly bad movie. Okay. It's just not good. That's okay. the problem. And and especially if you're expecting more Chud, you're going to be woefully disappointed to the point where you probably stop watching it, like I'm pretty sure I did back in the day. Well, that and not good comedy is so much worse than not good horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We may have to bite the bullet on hysterical again. Just yeah, as a, just as a side thing, but yeah, I'm not looking forward to, to it. How do you describe hysterical to people who haven't seen it? Though it's just—that's a good point. Comedies in general are just really hard. It's—it's it's like trying to describe a color that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. point. Or, that's a, that's a really good point. Because um, even a good comedy, it's really hard. 
um but especially like a very visual one and and you know parody uh you know reference movie such as hysterical i i think it, yeah i think it's just more like i think i need to see it a, a technically more than third time but that's just the movie where you know we we loved it i mean we've talked about it a couple of times right we've talked about it we've talked about it with um this movie we've talked about it with um flash gordon where you are in black hole where you go back and forth you start one way and then it's like oh this sucks and you go back to it like i wonder should we see hysterical again will we come right back around and at least see some of what we originally thought was so brilliant back when we were like eight eight and eleven respectively or whatever it was did we suffer were we in a car accident where we both suffered severe head injuries <laughs> and maybe that would explain why we were convinced at the time that it was the funniest most brilliant movie ever made i don't know or again were we too cool like i don't think we were because i think we were past our too cool phase when we when we rewatched hysterical when it finally showed up on dvd to watch um because i remember you and i both really trying to like it like we were trying yeah. We were trying we, to justify how to not go back in time and just punch ourselves and just say no. Because know? after more than a decade of you and I being the only people who remembered this movie and wondering if it actually even existed or whether we were having some sort of combined delusion, I found it on DVD. And I bought it on DVD. And we're going to check it out this weekend. Oh, we were so excited. I remember... All I can think of, and and because it's this is exactly how I felt, is that Homer Simpson meme when he's watching what was it the the, the mid season replacement or something. He's got the pennant and he's all excited about the shows that are going to be coming out, and then he sees them and he's increasingly disappointed and like the pennant kind of droops. <laughs> like that's how I felt watching the movie. <laughs> Just like oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've been geared. I don't think I've been more geared up. Like I'm trying to think of how many movies I may have seen where I was more anticipating, like I had such greater expectations than I truly got. Um, uh, it's it's hard because usually I'm jaded or usually I'm suspicious. Like if a Star Wars movie comes out, I'm, I'm immediately going to be like, well, I don't know. I'm, I'll 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 feel it out. I'm not going to get super excited because what if it's you know what I'm saying? Like that's usually how it is, even even to this day. Um, if it's a movie that I'm like, oh yeah, I think I'm gonna like it, I have to give that reservation. But with hysterical, I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be great. It just, it so wasn't. I think I want to compare it to like riddles and knock knock jokes. Those stuff you see, you hear yes. as a kid, and you think it's hilarious. But when a kid says knock knock to you now, you groan, roll your eyes, and go, "Who's there?" That's that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. And then the kid gets to the punchline and giggles, and you're like, yeah, okay, good one. That's a good point. Like, back in the day where you're just laughing at the word farts, you know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, a Which pie I definitely don't do anymore. Or, or a seltzer bottle gag, you right. know? I don't know how we got on a start. I know I did it, but I don't even remember how I got on that. Well, I guess back to Chud. Yes. Uh, we said most what we want to say about it. Um yeah, no, I think I think we're I think we're good. I I still recommend it. It's on Prime for people to check it out who have Amazon Prime, and it's probably uh, available on a couple of other streaming. Um, it's on. There's multiple DVD releases on. I have it as part of a uh, four pack with uh, Children of the Corn, Creep Show Two, and House, and I'm pretty sure I paid about eight dollars for the set. Well, so. Well worth the investment there. Definitely, yeah. All very good movies. I watched House again not that long ago. Um, still excellent. Still a really fun movie. Norm. Yeah. Norm and um, Richard Mole. Who looks like uh, Eddie Iron Maiden. He really does. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I think of, too, uh, you know, when you see him later on. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, I forget the I forget the character's name, but Norm is absolutely fantastic in that movie. <laughs> Just trying to act, you know, like everything is kind of cool. And oddly <laughs> enough, in House Two: The Second Story, you get uh, Ratzenberger. That's right. That's right. All right. So, what uh, do you got? Any other recommendations to go along with Chud? 
the closest recommendations to Chud I could give are again the 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 Romero kind of zombie movies where it's as much character driven as it is the you know the subject itself. In the case of Romero, obviously zombies. In this case, Chud. I mean, you get a bit more, well, quite a bit more zombie out of Romero's zombies zombie movies than you do get Chud in this movies. But it is definitely unique among horror movies in that you do actually get like characters. You get relatively deep characters, not just things waiting to get murdered. I'm going to recommend a movie that I think you kind of expect Chud to be. And it's it's not a good movie the way Chud is, but it's it's called The Duck. And it stars uh, Richard Widmark as a police detective. And when they were making The Duck, they were making The Duck as a zombie movie. But during the time they were making The Duck, they decided zombie movies don't sell. So they added on lasers coming out of the zombie's eyes and decided he was an alien. Okay. It's as not good as I made it sound, but it's, it's like I said, it's almost what you're expecting Chud to be. Okay. But it's not worth seeking out? Oh, I think it is. Uh, it, it's worth seeking out for fans of bad movies. Is it, could it be so bad it's good? I guess, is it boring? Oh, no, it's certainly not boring. Okay, that's good enough for me. No. It's good enough for me. Yeah. Like, I just don't want my, I don't want to have my time wasted. You know, there's just so many movies out there that are like based on like, you know, radio humanoids from the deep is another good pick, but mostly Roger Corman movies. Find a bunch of Roger Corman movies from, from the early eighties and you're going to get what you expected out of Chud. Oh yeah. Right on. You know, humanoids from the deep is, you know, the humanoid salmon. (laughs) Do people not know Humanoids from the Deep? I know the name more than I know the it's, movie. I don't think I've this, seen the creatures. It's this quiet little fishing town on, I believe it's the Washington, maybe it's the Californian coast, but uh, it stars Doug McClure. Nice. And uh, Vic Morrow. And it's about, you know, this fishing village that a cannery wants to open up and... um. No, I shouldn't say village. It's a small town. Okay. But it's, you know, most of the people who live there make their living fishing. And the at one point, they were trying to increase the fish population. So they experimented with the salmon. And, of course, mutated salmon into humanoids from the deep that come and attack and attack the town. Okay. It, it's It's, like I said, it's it's what you expected and possibly wanted Chud to be. I think. I mean. I mean. I, I think I see where you're going with it. And yeah, kind of, kind of. I guess ultimately, I exp- and, and again, this is this probably says more about me than any fault of the film. Um, I think I was expecting something a bit more akin to a zombie movie. Well, and that's again, that's kind of the hard part. Is there's not a lot like Chud. It works in the way Jaws works because again, you don't see much of the monster. You don't see much of the shark in Jaws. True. But the acting and the story is so good. True. Another character driven. Yeah. Granted, it's nowhere near the caliber of Jaws, but it's that no. type of, of of involvement. No, but I would say, uh, and, and again, to go back on all the things that Chud does really well, it's a really fun soundtrack. It's a really cool soundtrack. Um, the setting is just about impeccable. I, I mean, everybody as good as Jaws, but in a, in a, in a different way. Uh, you know, it's a very dark, very lived in, very grimy, very wet, very dirty film that they that that, that really comes across, you know, as much as like the beach life and, and, and bright scenery comes across in the uh, in Jaws. Um, so I would say it's comparable in some ways, like definitely a lot of love was put into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was a very professionally done film, mm-hmm. even at its low budget. Yeah, exactly. I- exactly. Um uh, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely it, it's 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 definitely a recommendation for sure. Yeah, I, I think I recommend it higher than you do, but sure, I highly recommend. Even with yeah, even with my, I guess res- reservations are, are as good of a term as any. Um, 
but like you know if 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 i didn't turn you off then yeah i think you'll really enjoy it and i'm not really trying to turn you off so much as just expect you know set the expectation well, which i think it, you did a little bit more of a positive way than i did and i think it's important but it's also important to set expectations properly because people going into this looking for you know a fast paced gory creature feature are going to be disappointed right whereas people but but again who's who would you wouldn't expect people like oh it's called chud cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller well i'll bet this is a taunt suspenseful suspenseful well acted movie no you're not going to expect that to be honest you're expecting i think you're nailed it with humanoids from the deep yeah that's expected that's exactly what you're expecting is humanoids from the deep you're expecting it to be a right you're looking for the roger corman name or something yeah and anybody looking for a well-acted taunt suspenseful thriller probably isn't looking for something called chud so and that's probably why this movie failed but when the audience found it it hit it clicked with an audience and that that audience has stuck with it and championed it although it's interesting and i didn't i didn't know this but it was distributed by new world pictures so i guess go figure yeah well it all goes back almost everything goes back to what uh, to, to Roger Corman. Yeah, he's had his hand. I mean, I've I've often thought like maybe we should do like a retro. But how would you even start? There's like a he does like a billion movies. That, Roger that Corman, and you know who else? You know, Troma. A lot of people now have gotten their start in got their start in yes. Troma as well. They learned the basics. Not only do they learn how, the basics, but they learned some of the most important things that can be taught in filmmaking from Roger Corman and Lloyd Kaufman, mm-hmm. how to do things cheaply and believably and quickly. Yeah. How to yeah. do it cheaply, how to do it efficiently. Yeah. Um, oh no, definitely. Definitely. And plus you, you, you end up having to be in every aspect of the film, like another, another story with, you know, with people coming from the Roger Corman and trauma camps is like, they start, they go in as one thing and end up something else entirely. Because there's such small, you know, shoe strap budgets and people might be leaving the production um, that you kind of have to. It's almost like being on a submarine. Like you have to know just about everybody's or a space station or something. You have to you have to know everybody else's job. Um, so what you end up having is guys who might they, they might have started off as like a you know set dresser or something like that and ended up being like a director 10 years later. All right. So I think we've prattled on long enough about Chud and several other topics. Sure. Uh, the last thing to do, such is, as such as our job, um, connected to the Magnificent Seven, which is easy, and I won't use Chud Two to Robert Vaughn. What I no. will do is Daniel Stern was in City Slickers, right? I figured with, you were going here with Bruno Kirby, and Bruno Kirby was in Borderline with Charles Bronson, right? On. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. As always, we thank you for being here. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Movie Matt Soros, all one word. Uh, on Twitter at Movie Matt Soros, all one word. M O V I E M A T T S I R O I S. You can contact us there. Maybe you got a question you'd like us to answer. Maybe you got a suggestion for a movie you'd like us to do. If it fits in with what we're doing here, we'll give it a shot. So thank you for listening, and we hope to have you back next time. Thank you, everyone.